Hello there, Pigskins fans, and welcome to the Week 8 edition of the Stat Pack. I'm your host, Adam Dobrovolsky, and well, well, I'm quite a bit under the weather this week. We'll keep things as brief as possible. We'll get you a six-pack of the headlines from the previous week in Week 7. We'll also take a look at the six top teams in the NFL, according to yours truly, and of course, a six-pack of games to look forward to in Week 8. It should be an exciting week to come. Let's get right down to business, and we'll start things off with the first headline of our six-pack, and that's the Houston Texans. And kind of to build upon what Kerry Burns said about the Texans having a cakewalk in the AFC, I'm going to completely agree. In fact, I say they're pretty much a near lock at this point to make it to Super Bowl 47. The Houston Texans fresh off a 43-13 victory over the Baltimore Ravens found a way just to dominate the only other team entering Week 7 with a winning record. Through seven weeks, there's only three teams with a winning record. The Texans at 6-1, the Ravens at 5-2, and, and the New England Patriots at 4-3. and three. But the Texans just handed a beat down to the Ravens. They had a passer rating differential in this game of 55.33. They outgained the Ravens 420 to 176, which is good for about a 2.5 per play advantage in terms of yardage. And finally, the Texans were able to put together a 3.56 real passing yard per attempt differential. So the Texans just blowing the doors off a Ravens team that in their previous three games defeated the Browns, Chiefs, and Cowboys by a combined 12 points. Certainly not impressive one bit from the Ravens. If you were to look at the quality stats power rankings, the Texans, well, they're ranked first. Obviously, that's a great thing for the Texans. But in the AFC, there are only five teams in the top half of the league in the quality stats power rankings. You have the Denver Broncos at 6th. You have the New England Patriots at 10th. You have the Ravens at 14th. And you have the Pittsburgh Steelers at 15th. They don't even have six teams in the top half of the league. If you're to look at pass rating differential, well, of those five teams, only three are in the top ten. Denver's at fourth, Houston's at fifth, Pittsburgh's at eighth. And if you look at the relativity index, only three of those five teams are in the top ten. Houston's first, Denver's fourth, and New England is eighth. So the bottom line of what we can really get from this is that right now it's the Houston Texans that are clearly the class of the AFC and perhaps the best team after them in the conference are the 3-3 three and three Broncos with Peyton Manning, who at this point right now the Broncos are second in offensive pass rating. They do look like a, a dangerous team, but Houston already won in Denver. And to be honest, I don't see the Broncos right now winning in Houston. So at this point right now, the Houston Texans are a near lock in the AFC. And oh yeah, for one supplementary stat, how about this? Ten of the bottom 11 teams in the quality stats power rankings are in the AFC. That is not good whatsoever. Number two on our six-pack is the Dallas Cowboys. And how about this? Already a season-saving victory. Why do I say that? Well, the Cowboys host the Giants on Sunday, and then the following two games after that, 
at Atlanta, a team that really doesn't lose at home, and then at Philadelphia. The Cowboys, in no way, shape, or form, would have been able to survive a 2-4 and four start, especially in that tough NFC, especially with the team's scoreability issues, which continued against Carolina. The Cowboys have a 15-plus play drive, and they settle for a 19-yard field goal. On the next drive, after intercepting a pass... Inside their own five, the Cowboys are able to drive into Carolina territory, yet Miles Austin loses a fumble. Then in the second half, the Cowboys had back-to-back field goal drives where they were in the red zone, and neither time they could get a touchdown to either grab a comfortable lead or put the game away. Instead, the Cowboys have to settle for a 19-14 victory in Carolina, an unimpressive victory for the Cowboys. You don't want to have to barely beat these losing teams by less than uh, seven points, and they did that against the Panthers. So I'm not uh, too right now uh, high on the Cowboys, but... At least for now, they saved their season with a victory, and it should be interesting to see what happens this Sunday in Big D, but we'll get to that in a moment. Now up to number three in the six-pack of headlines, Aaron Rodgers in his last two games may even be better than his 2011 form. Consider what Aaron Rodgers has done in back-to-back road games. At Houston, 24 of 37 for 338 yards, 6 touchdowns, no interceptions. At St. Louis, 30 of 37 for 342 passing yards, 3 touchdowns, and 0 interceptions. The Texans, after entering the game against the Packers in Week 6, second in defensive pass rating, they went down to 14th. Now they moved back up to 8th. So if you take away Aaron Rodgers' game against the Texans, Houston has a 61.23 defensive pass rating, which would put him best in the league. On a note for the Rams, well, they dropped from 5th to 12th in defensive pass rating. And if you were to take away their game against Aaron Rodgers, they have a 72.80 defensive pass rating, which would be good for 4th in the league. So bottom line, considering what Aaron Rodgers has done to two of the best passing defenses, both of those games on the road, I think these last two games might be two of the best games he's ever put together. And yes, the Packers right now, they're in tip-top shape in their passing game. 111.21 offensive pass rating, and oh yeah, that still fits into the regression expected for the Packers this season. Their pass rating was over 120 last year, so maybe this is where the Packers are going to settle for the rest of the year, and that still will put them as a primary contender for the Super Bowl. Number four on the six-pack of headlines, that's RG3 and doing exactly what Cam Newton did as a rookie, and that's not exactly all good. Yes, statistically, a fantastic job by the Washington Redskins, and, of course, Robert Griffin III. You look at what the Redskins have done, 99.14 offensive pass rating, the league's best 99.3 real quarterback rating. All that is fine and dandy. If you're to look at it, they lead the league six point, or excuse me, 8.65 passing yards per attempt, second in the league with a 69.7 completion percentage, and first in the league with 2,068 net yards for the quarterback. 
All of that, again, fine and dandy. However, we're seeing a little bit of a theme here between RG3 and Cam Newton in these great rookie seasons with their statistical studs, and that's the defense isn't making up for it. And could it just be that with both the Redskins and the Panthers, they're just not good teams at this point? And even though the offense is playing better, the pace is going faster, the teams are scoring quicker, and the offense can't make up for it. We, yes, talk about the defensive efficiency and offensive efficiency and talk about how important that is to win. But sometimes when you speed the pace of a game up, it actually will hurt your defense. Your defense will play less efficient because the opposing offenses now have to go a little bit more cutthroat. They can't slow the game down. They can't find a way to, you know, skate by by getting sort of efficient, but not all too efficient games. They have to find a way to win by slamming the door shut on the defense. And so far, that's what's happened. The Giants in their comeback victory, a fourth quarter comeback yet again for Eli Manning. The Washington Redskins also have losses in St. Louis with a fourth quarter comeback for the Rams, a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, which was 38-31, and then a loss to Atlanta. That was a back-and-forth game that Atlanta needed to win late in the ballgame to overcome the Washington Redskins. The bottom line is, even though RG3 right now is clearly the rookie of the year and clearly one of the top assets in the NFL, his style of play isn't exactly helping out an offense, or excuse me, a defense, that really does need the game to be slowed down. This is a defense without Brian Arakpo, without Adam Carricker, and I think it's really showing. And perhaps there isn't much that's going to be a difference between last year's Redskins team when they struggled offensively but had a respectable defense to this Redskins team, which is obviously playing great offensively but really struggling defensively. Bottom line is... The Redskins aren't a very good team, and right now, as a rookie, although RG3 is doing a fantastic job, he's not consistently making the key plays to get the team in position to win the ball game. That's, what's just, that's just what's going to happen as a rookie, and the same thing happened last year with Cam Newton. Number five on the six-pack of headlines, and that's the Seattle Seahawks still having a legitimate chance in the NFC West hunt. I understand they lost 13-6 in San Francisco last Thursday night, and they're now down to 0-3 in the NFC West. And there's been only one team in NFL history that began the year 0-3 in the division and still won its division, and that was the 1970 Cincinnati Bengals. I understand Russell Wilson was horrible in the second half against San Francisco. 3 of 10 for 19 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Of course, it didn't help when the receivers dropped several passes in the first half and didn't allow the Seahawks to gain separation on the 49ers, where the Seahawks only had a 6-3 lead at the half. But if you're to look at the Seahawks' schedule, all three of their remaining divisional games are at home. They have two other home games against Minnesota and New York Jets. And then the road games, Sunday at Detroit, then at Miami off a bye. 
than at Chicago, where the Seahawks have actually won quite a few games at Soldier Field, and then finally at Buffalo in Toronto in a late game. It is highly possible that even if the Seahawks were to lose another game in the division, that they go 4-1 and one at home for the rest of the season. And it's highly possible that they find a way to split the final four games on the road. Well, that gives the Seahawks a 6-3 and three record for their final nine games. You add in their 4-3 and three record, it's 10-6. and six. It's not exactly the most dominant thing, but that might be enough where this NFC West may beat up on each other quite a lot. The San Francisco 49ers continue a rough patch of their schedule for Alex Smith. In Arizona, they still have two against the Rams. They also have to play the Bears. They have some other tough games left. Teams like New England, a game in New Orleans that the Saints will want revenge for their loss in the playoffs last year. I don't find the NFC West winner having a dominant season. I think it's going to be a 10 or 11 win team that wins the division. And then probably the second place team will also have 10 or 11 wins. And then the last two teams in the division will probably have somewhere between seven and nine wins. That's as I see it right now. So don't really count out the the Seahawks just yet. I understand they're 0-3 in the division, but I still think there's actually a chance they win out from here on out against the division and find a way to take the NFC West crown. And finally, in our six-pack of headlines, the Chicago Bears. And don't exactly be discouraged by their offense. I understand they only beat Detroit at home 13-7. I understand Jay Cutler was sacked five times, and it seems again like this Chicago offense can implode at just any time. But let's think about the factors here. It's a divisional game. The Lions know exactly what the Bears are going to be doing with their pass blocking, with their passing overall. And you think about the other bad game that the Bears had offensively was against a divisional team in the Green Bay Packers in prime time back week two on Thursday night. So I think the Bears, they, while they will struggle against teams that they're familiar against and they will struggle against good front sevens, This is still a Chicago team that can get the job done offensively, but perhaps more importantly, can make the plays for their defense to set up their offense. Three of the four turnovers the Bears forced against the Lions Monday night were when the Lions were in the red zone. They were trying to score against the Bears. The Bears' defense held forced turnovers. And you think about it, The Bears making their 14th interception of the season with a pick of Matt Stafford on Monday. They also had six forced fumbles, only three of which which they recovered against the Lions. This is a team that game in and game out will make plays defensively, and it will keep those Bears, I think, in the Super Bowl hunt. I think right now, if you were to look at it, the Packers and the Bears, to me, are the two best teams when it comes to a chance to thrive in the NFC playoffs based on the balance that these teams have right now. The the Packers, albeit with Aaron Rodgers playing elite football, their defense is doing a good job, especially against the pass. And then, of course, the Bears, the top pass defense right now, can still get the job done offensively with Jay Cutler and crew. Now to look at it 
a six-pack of top teams in the NFL, and we'll start things off with the Houston Texans, back to number one in my rankings. They're back to number one in the quality stats power rankings, back to number one in the relativity index, and just doing a great job, these Houston Texans, in the pass rating differential. They're right up near the top as well. It's the Green Bay Packers who are number one, but Houston back up six spots to fifth in that category. They're getting the job done. They're top ten. They're number one, in fact, in scoreability. They're 15th in bendability, but when you look at it, also top 10 in real passing yards per attempt. Same thing defensively, back up to two. They're in the top 10 in numerous categories, and we're in the top half in pretty much every category in the league. They're me, they're clearly the top team in the league after getting that decisive victory against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Number two on the list, the Atlanta Falcons, still high up on the list just because they're undefeated. I do think that they're in for some big trouble in Philadelphia on Sunday, but for the time being, I give them the benefit of the doubt. You can't assume they're going to lose until the game happens. They're fifth overall in the quality stats power rankings and second in passer rating differential, obviously a key category, so you have to give them props for that. That's a big reason why they're undefeated at this point. Number three on my list, the Chicago Bears, and albeit seventh in the quality stats power rankings, the reason why I have them number three ahead of the Green Bay Packers is that they're number one in defensive passer rating and number two in the relativity index. Bottom line, their defense is making plays, five defensive touchdowns. It's helping out the team to score, and because of that, I still think that they are the biggest threat in the NFC for now. Uh, but obviously, it'll be interesting to see with one more game left between the Bears and Packers, and that will be at Soldier Field. Number four are the Green Bay Packers. They're second in the quality stats power rankings. Number one overall in pass rating differential. The offensive pass rating, as we mentioned, 111.21. But the defensive pass rating is 10th overall at 79.94. So the Packers are still a very dangerous team, but they're sixth right now in the relativity index. So I put them a little bit down compared to uh, some of the other top teams here in the rankings. Uh, I think right now that the Packers at 4-3 and three also still need to get some more wins. Still don't have a winning streak to their name beyond two consecutive victories. And they will try and get that first three-game winning streak as they host the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. And finally, we look at number five and number six, two teams that are third in the power rankings according to the quality stats. My number five team, the New York Giants, a team that's first in real passing yards, or real passing yards per attempt. And then number six, the San Francisco 49ers, a team ranked third in pass rating differential and third in the relativity index. Obviously, the Giants are ahead of the 49ers at this point because they have the head-to-head -head victory in dominant fashion in San Francisco. So that wraps out your top six. And finally, we look at a six-pack of games to look forward to for week eight. And boy, I tell you this much, I'm looking forward to this week. I am very excited to see some of these deciding games, what could really find a way to make the divisional races interesting or really put a team ahead for good. We'll see what happens with that, with some of those big games. But we'll start things off with the number six matchup here that I have. And I look at the Indianapolis Colts 
at the Tennessee Titans. And all of a sudden, the Colts are 3-3 three and three and the Titans are 3-4. and four. Yes, they're two of the worst teams in the quality stats power rankings. <laughs> Indianapolis is 29, Tennessee's 30th. So why is this one of my six games to look forward to? Well, the team that gets a win might be in the hunt for a playoff spot. Believe it or not, the Titans with the win will be back to 500 at 4-4. Four and four. And with a win, the Colts will be 4-3. and three. This just shows how bad the AFC is. But with playoff implications, it makes my top six. The big matchup here for this one is Andrew Luck. Now, while the Colts are 30th, in offensive pass rating. Andrew Luck going up against that Tennessee pass defense that's dead last in passer rating. The Titans have allowed a 108.17 pass rating. Is this a chance for a rookie like Andrew Luck to take advantage of the have-nots, get a big victory on the road, and put the Colts over 500? I'm interested to see. It's Albeit two struggling factors right now, but nonetheless, an enticing matchup. Number two on my six-pack of interesting games, another divisional game, the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. Again, this is a 3-3 three and three at 3-4 three and four matchup with a rookie quarterback on the road. Well, this one is going to be a little bit tougher. The Jets, eighth in defensive passer rating, and Ryan Tannehill and the Miami Dolphins are dead last in touchdowns through the quarterback, and they're 27th in offensive passer rating. So not exactly uh, your most uh, exciting offense for the Miami Dolphins, but they're playing some solid defense. The Dolphins are a very respectable ninth in defensive passer rating, and in terms of their defensive hog index, they're now tops in the league after the Chicago Bears took a spot down against the Detroit Lions. I look at that. This will be a defensive game. It'll be a slugfest. It'll be big plays for both defenses. And the team that makes the fewer mistakes will have the advantage for the game. And all of a sudden, the Miami Dolphins may be able to win a third game in a row, beat 4-3, and three, or the New York Jets can be back to 500 and back in the playoff hunt. Now to look at it, number three on my list of interesting games, the New Orleans Saints at the Denver Broncos. Obviously, this game is going to be a shootout. The Saints are in Denver. They struggle on the road. I'm going to take Denver in this one, but the Saints are seventh in offensive pass rating. The Broncos are second. It's Drew Brees. It's Peyton Manning. I don't need much more to say beyond that. I think for that factor alone, the Offensive passing efficiency of both of these teams will make this a must-watch game on Sunday night. Number four on the list, the Dallas Cowboys hosting the New York Giants. The Cowboys already with a victory in New York week one. The Giants playing some great football as of late. They're now second in the quality stats power rankings, or excuse me, make that third after dropping one spot due to the Packers, but they're third doing a fantastic job. They right now have the most dynamic passing offense in the league. The offensive hogs are doing a great job. The Giants right now second in the offensive hog index. They're a team that is right up there in the relativity index, fifth overall. The Cowboys struggling to get the job done. 
And the biggest reason is their scoreability. They're still 30th in the league, 19.9 yards per point. They did play a better game in Carolina in terms of the bendability up to 26th. Uh, but still a, a team that has much left to be desired. But if they can get the win against the Giants, all of a sudden they might have the inside track in terms of the standings to win the NFC East. They'll have a sweep against the Giants, and they'll be just a half game back. Meanwhile, if the Giants, the better team, get the road victory, obviously the season series is split, and the Giants will be cruising in the NFC East at 6-2, and two, and they'll be two and a half games ahead of those Dallas Cowboys. Number five on my list, the six-pack of top games for Week 8, the San Francisco 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals. If you liked last week's game between the 49ers and Seahawks, well, you're in good standing here. These are two great defensive teams. The Cardinals, second in defensive pass rating. The Giants, or excuse me, the 49ers are fourth. And yes, Alex Smith has done an efficient job this year offensively, but he's struggled the last two weeks against two good passing defenses, the Giants and the Seahawks. I think that's going to continue against a very tough Arizona defense on the other side. John Skelton, if he gets the start, you have to watch out for the sneaky Skelton. He is undefeated in home starts in his NFL career, and he is a bit of a captain comeback. So watch out to see what the Arizona Cardinals will do as a skeleton is one of those dangerous quarterbacks who may be able to sneak out victories. And the Arizona Cardinals could use it. Losers of three games in a row, falling all the way from the top three down to a relatively average tied for 10th in the quality stats power rankings. The Arizona Cardinals need this victory, and they host the 49ers in a big spot. It's Monday Night Football. And finally, the top game for this week, the Atlanta Falcons, an undefeated team going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael Vick facing off against his own team. Andy Reid, fresh off the bye. He's undefeated off the bye in his NFL head coaching career. And the Eagles now without their defensive coordinator after Juan Castillo's fired. This after the Eagles at this point are third in the league in defensive pass rating at 69.41. What's going to happen to this team, a team that can't get out of their way in terms of the turnover battle? Can they get the job done? In Atlanta, can they get a huge victory? This would be a monster victory for them to get this on the road in Philadelphia. Yes, a mediocre opponent. The Eagles are 17th in the quality stats power rankings, but a team that plays very well after the bye this would make it a huge victory for Atlanta, especially if they can get a convincing victory. I don't think that will happen. I think this will be a one-possession game, and I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles in a one-possession game. But if Atlanta can get a multi-possession road victory, fresh off an Eagles bye, I think then the Falcons may finally have a legitimate case to say they're one of the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC. Well, that just about does it for this edition of the Stat Pack. This is Adam Dobrovolsky signing off for now. Enjoy Week 8, everybody.